Hallelujah. Praise God, man. Woo, man. Okay, sorry. I'm coming into this just overly excited because did you not just hear what we, we were celebrating? We're celebrating King Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. Man. Oh, all right, listen. You heard Pastor Larry Dan. You heard Reggie. Listen. Jesus is good. Do you believe that this morning? Do you believe that Jesus is alive? Yes. He is risen. I, oh man, God is so good. 39 people last week. You know what we celebrated last week? It is the foundation of our faith. It is the hinge of our faith. That if this one historic event did not happen, Paul says it to the Corinthians. He says, we're to be pitied among all people because our faith is futile. But praise God, (laughs) Jesus is alive. Amen? So can we just give him praise this morning? Hallelujah. Thank you, God. You are so, so good. But here, man, why do they always give me the sermons where I just feel like it's going to, I got to go a little hard on (laughs) y'all. Oh, God, help me. Bring it. Amen. Listen, for my brothers and sisters tuning in online, for us here in this room, Jesus deserves our praise, but there is a danger. There's a danger for you. There's a danger for me. And it's this. We just celebrated Jesus being risen from the grave last week. And we can so easily, I'm not just speaking about you, I'm speaking about me. We can so easily say, God, hallelujah, you moved. Thank you, God. God, I... I sacrificed during Lent. I I spent 40 days sacrificing, fasting, praying to you, God. God, I gave up a week. I changed around my schedule so I could pray with the church Monday to Wednesday. I did the Seder meal in the home. Oh, God, I went on Thursday. I spent the night in prayer to you. Oh, God, I, I entered into the tomb with Jesus on Good Friday, and I waited his resurrection on Sunday. But the danger is, is we can so easily fall into winding down our praise, packing it up in a box, opening it up again when we're celebrating Jesus' birth in December. See, Jesus did not die and raise again from the dead Just so that way we could just do our duty and give him our religion. Jesus died and rose from the grave so we could have a relationship with him and we could delight in that relationship with him. Jesus didn't give up his life so that you and me, we could just simply give God a season. Jesus gave up his life and the only right response is to give 
our entire lives back to him. But this morning, there is a warning. You and I have this tendency, this temptation to look at Christianity, to look at following Jesus as simply just a set of rules to follow. It's just a a set of things, our duty, our religion, our acts of service, as if there's somehow, some way in the things that we do by our merit and our good works, we could have somehow obtain favor with God. We can have somehow obtain life in him. This was a lie that we believed from the very beginning. This is nothing new. We believed it. Guess who else believed it? The religious leaders of Jesus' day. They knew all of God's law to love God and love neighbor. And yet in their duty, in their religion, in their self-righteousness, they missed it. And Jesus, through one parable, wants to tell us a different way. So I'm going to encourage you, if you have a copy of God's word, I want you to open with me to Luke chapter 10, starting in verse 25. This is the word of the Lord. It says this. And behold, a lawyer stood up to put him, Jesus, to the test, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And he said to him, What is written in the law? How do you read it? And he answered, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, You have answered correctly. Do this and you will live. Story begins. There's a lawyer. Literally just meaning Somebody trained in the law. He knew the law of Moses. So there's this lawyer. He stands up and he wants to test Jesus. So he asks him a question. He says, teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus, being the good teacher that he is, he doesn't give a straight answer. He gives him a question. He says, well, you're a lawyer. What's written in the law? How do you read it? The lawyer answers correctly. He says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. But listen to Jesus' reply. He says, you've answered correctly. Do this and you will live. I don't know about you, but there's a little spice in Jesus' response. There's a little sting that's meant to cut to this lawyer's heart. Listen back to it. Okay, lawyer, you know the law. You answered correctly. Now do this and you will live. You see, the lawyer in his mind... He he was doing his duty. He knew the law. 
He was keeping up with it. In his mind, he was trying to justify himself, which is what we read in the next verse. Look at what it says in verse 29. And he, desiring to justify himself, said to Jesus, and who is my neighbor? He's trying to justify himself. That word justify, it's this notion that he's literally just trying to keep up with appearances. That he's trying to put forth his character as being blameless, as being upright, as being Right, just stuck up on outward appearances. But Jesus sees past that. He tries to deflect it by saying, well, well, then Jesus, who's my neighbor? In his mind, he was loving his brethren, the Jews. He was doing his duty. He was doing all that the law required in his mind. But Jesus could see past his outward appearance. Outside his justification. Jesus saw him for what he really was. A whitewashed tomb. Picture that for a second. A whitewashed tomb. Clean. Nothing wrong on the outside. Yet inwardly a dead corpse. That's who this lawyer was. He, Jesus, lovingly wanted to show this man the error of his ways. He wanted to show him that, look, you're focused on outward appearances, but God is looking to your heart. And so Jesus, wanting to show him the error of his ways, wanting to show him where he had actually departed from the law to show him, hey, you got to realize you have a sin condition in you. To do that, Jesus shares with him a parable. The parable of the good Samaritan. Now, I want to say, as soon as I say that, I know light bulbs are popping up in your head and you guys are starting to begin to retell the story of the good Samaritan in your mind. Can I just ask you to pause? I've been praying, Holy Spirit, would you come and give us fresh eyes? This is a familiar text. This is a familiar story and parable. But Holy Spirit, would you give us fresh eyes? That this parable isn't just a story about morality, how we can just be a little bit better, do a little bit more good, and be the good Samaritan. But it's actually a parable that points to Jesus and he exposes the lies of religion. So Jesus, in love, tells this parable to this lawyer. Let's read verse 30. It says this. Jesus replied, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among robbers who stripped him and beat him and departed leaving him half dead. Let's pause right there. We're going to go in increments here. The story doesn't start off too good. You got a man who's traveling from Jerusalem to Jericho, traveling miles of terrain and dirt, and then these robbers come and beat this man up, 
They steal his belongings. They depart and they leave this man half dead. That term half dead literally meant that this guy who was beaten, he was bruised, he was, he was robbed, he was left there, and he has no hope for life unless somebody else intervenes, unless somebody acts on his behalf, unless somebody sees him where he is and does for him what he could not do for himself. Now, before we go on in the rest of the parable, I need to say this. Many of us, because we're so familiar with the story of the Good Samaritan, we know who comes along, the Good Samaritan, and we think, okay, well, maybe we just need to be like the Good Samaritan. But the reality is, apart from Jesus, we are this man. You know, we have an enemy. He's labeled the thief. He comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy And guess what? We believed his lie. We believed his lie from the beginning. We've sinned against Almighty God. We've turned our backs on God. We've rebelled against God, and we are dead in our sin. Jesus says this man, this man who is traveling from Jerusalem to Jericho, he was beaten, he was bruised, he was robbed, and he was left half dead. And I'm here to tell you, apart from Jesus, we are this man. We are dead in our sin. Because here's what you and I need to realize today. Our sin doesn't make us bad. Our sin makes us dead. That is what our sin does. It separates us from a holy God. Our sin doesn't just make us bad. Our sin makes us dead. And we are just like this man. We are on our way to certain death unless somebody intervenes on our behalf. So what's our hope? What's the hope for this man? Well, we keep reading, starting in verse 31. Now, by chance, a priest was going down that road. And when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. Stop right there. These two people, the priest and the Levite, I want to tell you, Jesus did not just mention them flippantly. He did not just mention them on accident. There was a purpose in mentioning that in this story, this parable, which is an earthly story that has a heavenly meaning, These two men are people who this lawyer could relate to. See, this lawyer, he wanted to justify himself, that his way was right. Keeping up with outward appearances, knowing the law, but not doing it. And Jesus says, there's this priest and this Levite. They saw this man beaten, robbed, left half dead. And they could care less about this man. They went on the other side. You see, they represent religion. And here's what I mean. The Levite and the priest, this lawyer could understand because they were the 
religious elite of their day. They knew exactly what it meant to serve God. They knew the law. They taught the law. And yet they themselves did not keep it when they saw that man. They did their duty. They knew the law. Yet they had no compassion. They didn't act upon it. What good is knowledge if they never applied it? So they had missed completely the heart behind the law. Can I just say this morning, there are some of us here in this room, some of you at home, at work, on the road, watching, joining in. I have to tell you, in all honesty, religion does not save you. It just leads you to certain death. The way of the Levite, the way of the priest did nothing to save a man that was headed towards certain death. The way of the lawyer that says, I'm just going to keep up with outward appearances, but inwardly I'm a dead corpse, says this. Well, God, did I not go to church God, did I not read my Bible and pray to you? God, did I not give generously to the church and to the ministries of the church? God, did I not show up for the Lenten season every Wednesday for prayer? Fasted. God, I gave up for a season. I, I, I gave up something for Lent and I wore a cross necklace for you, Jesus. Jesus, I dedicated an entire week to you. I shifted around my schedule, though it was kind of difficult with work and family, but I wanted to be a part of what the church was doing, and I was praying. Oh, God, I, I met with my community group, and we took the Seder meal together. Oh, God, I, I showed up that evening, and I sacrificed sleep so I could be vigilant in prayer to you on Thursday night. Oh, God, I came on Good Friday, and I entered into the tomb with you, Jesus. Oh, Jesus, I came on Sunday, and I worshiped you undignified, celebrating your resurrection. Or hear it from Jesus' words. On that day, Many of you will say, Lord, Lord, did I not prophesy in your name? Did I not cast out demons in your name? Did I not do mighty works in your name? And Jesus replied, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. You see, God is not fooled by your religion. God is not fooled by your outward appearances. God could care less about the effort, the merit, your good works that you try to present to him as if you could earn favor with Almighty God. That way of life leads to certain death. So what's our hope? 
What is the hope of this man? Well, there is hope, and it's found in verse 33. It says this. But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. He went to him, bound up his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And the next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper, saying, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, I will repay you when I come back. The Samaritan was not the likely hero that the lawyer was expecting to hear about. Because the Samaritan was the enemy. They hated Jews hated them. And yet, the lawyer's brethren, the Levite, the priest, they saw the same man beaten, robbed, left for dead. And they did nothing about it. But then comes this Samaritan. It says that, out of compassion, saw this man exactly where he was. He didn't go on the other side of the road like that priest and like that Levite. He met him exactly where he was. If you are thinking what I'm thinking, you're getting the story. The parable is way, way more than just some moral teaching that we need to be better and be like the good Samaritan. Jesus is the good Samaritan. Jesus is him. He's him. I'm glad that somebody got that. Jesus is him. This is the gospel. Oh, gosh, would you hear it? This is the gospel, that we are this broken man. We are beaten. We are broken. We are robbed. And on our way to certain death, unless somebody acts on our behalf. And Jesus is the good Samaritan. Jesus sees us in our brokenness. He left heaven, the author of life stepped down into our brokenness and met us exactly where we were. Jesus had compassion on us. And it says that he not only bound up our wounds, but Jesus went to the cross. And guess what happened? He did more than just spill wine and oil. He didn't just pour out wine and oil. Jesus went to the cross and he poured out his own blood. Jesus died in our place. And Jesus did more than just pay a couple denarii to pay the innkeeper. No, Jesus paid with his own life. He said on the cross, you know what he said? He said, it is finished. In the Greek, it means paid in full. It is finished. Jesus paid the punishment for you and for me. That is the message of the gospel. Jesus is the good Samaritan. So when religion, please hear me, when religion tells us 
that you need to do a little bit more. You need to be a little bit better. You need to do your duty. And then somehow God's going to approve of you. That way only leads to death. Satan is on this side of the road waving at you, leaving you half dead. But the gospel message says that Jesus meets us in our brokenness. He does for you and I what we could never do for ourselves. He rescues us and he saves us. Hallelujah. God is good. Let's finish out the passage. Which of these three, Jesus is saying to the teacher or to the lawyer, which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? And he said, the one who showed him mercy. Jesus said to him, you go and do likewise. Now, I read that, and I chuckle because it is pretty funny. The guy hated the Samaritan so much that he couldn't even just say, well, it's the Samaritan. You know, right? Enemies, don't like them, hate them. So what does he say instead? The one who proved to be the neighbor to the man who was beaten, robbed, and half dead, who needed somebody to act on his behalf. The one who proved to be the neighbor is the one who showed mercy. Mercy. What is mercy? Mercy is giving to us, not giving to us what we do deserve. You see, Jesus, being the good Samaritan, has mercy on you and me. Listen, our sin doesn't just make us bad. Our sin makes us dead. And so we deserve death, eternal punishment. But guess what? God has mercy in Christ for you and for me. He does not give us what we deserve. Instead, he gives us life. I want to put it this way. Religion says this, that we are, it paints a picture, it says that we are in this ocean and we're drowning. We're trying to keep our head above water and Jesus is far in the distance. He's on his lifeboat, safe and sound. You know what religion says? It says, just paddle a little harder. Work a little bit harder. Scream, Jesus, help me a little bit more. And then Jesus is going to see all your hard work, all the stuff that you've done, and then he's going to pull you into the boat. Can I just tell you, that is not the gospel. The gospel of Jesus Christ says that We are dead in our sins. We're not treading above water. We are dead at the bottom of the ocean. And Jesus, he doesn't just stay and wait in the lifeboat. He jumps into the ocean. He seeks us and pursues us exactly where we are. He breathes life into us, and he brings us up into safety and into the lifeboat. That is the Jesus we worship. Amen. Hallelujah. That is the message of the gospel. Religion will leave you broken, beaten, robbed, and dead. Jesus has come to give you life and life to the full. 
I, I realize, though, that there are people here today, many of you joining us online, and this sermon is very heavy. It sounds like this preacher is just beating down on you. I get it. But something the Holy Spirit was teaching me on Friday as we were praying, I was praying here with a, a few other gentlemen, and God just, the Holy Spirit convicted me and said, Zer, before you ever preach a word to my people, you need to preach this word to yourself. And so if there's a person here today who so desperately needs the mercy of Almighty God because They've acted in duty, acted according to religion, tried to earn favor and keeping up with outward appearances. You're looking right at them. God gave me assignment, said, Zer, you're going to preach this Sunday. Came through Pastor Jason and said, Zer, would you like to preach? Yeah, I'd love to. And I prayed. I, I walked around this place and I prayed. I said, God, would you give me wisdom? God, would you speak through me? And I paused right here. The Holy Spirit just convicted me and said, Zer, why are you really asking for this? Why are you asking for wisdom and to and to?" to to preach a message. And it hit me. I wasn't really praying so that way I could bring God's word to God's people. Oh, God, I was focused on outward appearances thinking, oh, God, let Pastor Jason invite me to preach again. Let me good, do a good job. I was doing a duty. What a fool. I am. I repented. I said, God, forgive me. Change my heart. Kept walking, kept praying. I came right to that baptism pool right there. I laid my hands on it. I said, God, bring people. Bring them to faith in Jesus. And the Holy Spirit convicted me. He said, Zer, why do you lack faith? What do you fear? And the Spirit of God said, Zer, you're focused on outward appearances because if nobody shows up to get baptized, maybe that's a reflection on you. What a fool to think that somebody coming to faith in Jesus Christ is dependent upon me. My job is not to convict people. That's the Holy Spirit's job. I'm, my job is to just preach the gospel and let him do his work. Oh, Holy Spirit. Uh, the song came on me to sing. Uh, trying to hold it together. There was a song that the Lord put on my heart to sing, and it was... I hope that some of you can maybe relate to the song. Maybe in this moment, 
you could even sing this song in your own heart. Teach me your way, O Lord, my God, and I will walk in your truth. Give me a totally undivided heart that I may fear your name. Purify my heart. Cleanse me, Lord, I pray. Remove from me all that is standing in the way. Purify my heart. Cleanse me, Lord, I pray. Remove from me all that is standing in the way of your This morning, I'm wondering, is there anyone here who's like me? Any of you joining from home and you're like me? We have bought the lie of religion to say that somehow, some way we could earn God's favor through the things that we do. That somehow we could just keep outward appearances but be dead corpses on the inside. Religion leaves us dead. In a moment, I'm going to invite the pastors. I'm going to invite our prayer team to come forward. Here's what I'm inviting you to. Would you repent? Turn from your sins, thinking that somehow, some way, you could earn favor with God. That way leads to death. But would you then trade in your religion for a relationship with Jesus? Lay down your religion and receive a relationship with Jesus. Jesus is merciful. He wants to give you life. Maybe for some of you this morning, you realize that you've been operating in religion. You show up every Sunday. You do all the right things. You know what Jesus says. But man, would you choose to give up your religion and would you believe in the gospel of Jesus for the first time? Maybe that means for you that you need to publicly profess faith in Jesus by stepping into the waters of baptism. Not because this preacher here is asking, but because the Holy Spirit is convicting you in this moment. Would you say yes? I surrender my religion. I want a relationship with you, Jesus. But I also understand there's some of you online right now, and you're, you're at home, and you haven't yet come in person because 
you've been hurt by religion. Some of you here today, you are hurt by religion. You're looking at the other side of the road, looking at the Levite and the priest, these religious people, and you're saying, man, you hypocrite. You've left me here to die. Your way leads to death and you've led me astray. And can I just say, I, I know exactly what you're going through. You're frustrated. You're hurting. You feel abandoned. Because religion does that. And can I just say, don't look to these people for hope. They're just as broken as you and I. Look to Jesus, the good Samaritan who has compassion for you. He doesn't want to leave you broken and hurting and half dead. He steps into our brokenness. He wants to heal you of your hurt. If you've been hurt by religion, maybe you need to come forward and say, God, I, I, heal me today. I come forward. And there's one more thing, and I believe the Lord wants the entire church to hear this. He said there in the last verse of our passage, go and do likewise. See, the parable of the Good Samaritan points to Jesus. He is the Good Samaritan. But when you place your faith in Jesus, when you've chosen to follow him as the Lord and Savior of your, your life, just as Jesus has had compassion on you, he calls you to have compassion on those around you. Just as Jesus has stepped into your brokenness, God is calling his church, his people, to step into the brokenness around them, to bind up their wounds, to meet their needs. Not out of duty, not out of compulsion, not out of religion, as if you could somehow earn favor with God, but out of delight. God, because you've done this for me, you've given me life, and I have a relationship with you. Oh, God, I now want to serve. I want to have compassion and love. You have an opportunity, church. You have an opportunity online. Come, serve the city as next week. It is a perfect opportunity to put the gospel on display. Oh, Lord, may it not be that we focus on religion because religion leads to death, certain death. But thank you, Jesus, that you came, you stepped into our brokenness, you had compassion on us and met us where we were. You did for us what we could never do for ourselves. You died in our place and you paid the full penalty. You paid it in full. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for the life that you give us. So God, as we respond now, we've heard the gospel. All of us need to respond. And so Holy Spirit, move, convict us, bring us to your feet. Oh, God, we need you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the table as we remember your body and your blood. Thank you 
thank you. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Amen. You come and respond.